Welcome to Clover Club. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Erica. What's up? Um, I went to two concerts this weekend. <gasps> That's a lot of concerts. Yeah, and my throat is feeling it. So if I sound scratchy, it's because I partied. Okay, well, I feel like this is a good episode for that because our guest has a lot of valuable content to share. And we can just let her, you know be the one to take up more airspace. I'm happy with that. Perfect. I love learning. I love learning too. Our guest today is Rebecca Cummings. She owns Legacy Studio Estate Law. She is one of my favorite clients. She's a friend. She's a mentor. I I was telling Kelly before we started recording that every decision I make in life, I'm like, would Rebecca Cummings approve of this? Like <laughs> she is my holy grail human being. And High I praise. just- And I don't take this lightly. She's just the best. And, you know, we've started this theme in October of our episodes being our version of scary stuff. And what is scarier than dying? Boo. Boo. (laughs) And so today, Rebecca is here in the studio with us. And we are going to shine a bright light on all of those scary and uncomfortable things that happen before, during, and after we die. And probably some other cool stuff. Fun. So fun. So we'll just go ahead and get started. Rebecca, hi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much for coming. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, I, lo- I'm, I, do, I love talking about death. <laughs> <laughs> Normalizing it. Yeah. So I do too. And I don't know if it's, I mean, from a young age, I experienced some deaths <laughs> and they kind of, have, that's continued throughout my adult life. So I think that I've had a higher exposure rate for someone my age compared to my peers. And so I like, I would be a death doula. I'm very comfortable talking about death. I love asking people Oof. hard questions and stuff like that. And then there's people like Kelly who literally she's shaking I her head right now. Like, I am nope, not, nope. I am not a death person. I <laughs> have anxiety problems. And so therefore every time I talk about death or dying, I just get stressed out. Because that's kind of what my anxiety like revolves around. So I don't like talking about it, but I'm game to be here, obviously. <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair. And I bet you there are people listening who agree. And if yeah. that's the case, I would invite you to stick it out for this episode. Because we're going to talk about some important stuff. Stick it out with me because I'm stick doing it. Stick it out with Kelly. <laughs> she can do it. You can do it. And we'll keep it a little light. I mean, you can't talk about death and dying all day and not develop sort of a weird sense of humor about it. Yes. You know, you have to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoy keeping things light. Yeah. Just because it's a heavy topic doesn't mean we can't have fun discussing it. Exactly. Yes. Definitely. Um, Before we get too deep into it, though, Rebecca and I have something in common, and that is that we love to travel and we love fine dining. And uh, yes, we do. Yes. Yes, we do. What kind of fine dining, Erica? Well, it's funny you ask. We enjoy Michelin starred fine dining. Whoa. Fancy girls. Coincidentally, while we're recording this, the Atlanta Michelin Guide is going to be announced. So we may jump in with our hard-earned opinions. Um, Yes, our thoughts. (laughs) Lots and lots of thoughts. But it's exciting. So uh, I just... It's It's very exciting. I hope that we actually get some stars. Didn't we find out that they went to another market and they didn't have enough good restaurants and they sort of spent all this money? And So in Florida, there was a three-city kind of combo deal made with Michelin and I think it was Tallahassee Miami and Orlando do not quote me on that but I think it was Tallahassee that didn't get any I'm like duh I thought it was Tampa but oh maybe it's Tampa another one of the T's yeah (laughs) sorry Florida yeah Yeah. sorry sorry can't keep you straight but yeah yeah, for so many reasons (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah so uh, it's not a guarantee but There is a large entanglement of finances in the decision for a city to get rated. Mm -hmm. So I think for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would anticipate someone's getting a star tonight. There's also a category called Bib Gourmand, which is not a Michelin star, but it's like a a recommendation for Michelin. And I think we've got a ton of restaurants that are more than adequate Hmm. for that. So uh, do we think anyone's going to get one? I don't want to speculate because I don't think there's a single restaurant in the city that deserves a Michelin star. I think Rebecca okay, disagrees. That's, that's an opinion. That's an opinion. I yeah. disagree with that too. But Yeah, but you just ate at your first Michelin star restaurant yesterday. Um, so. so? So? That doesn't mean anything, <laughs> Missy. She watched The Bear. Yeah, I did. All of it. I have Google. Cousin. Cousin. <laughs> Yeah, I chef. wear suits now. <laughs> she wears suits now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, chef. <laughs> yeah, chef. Mm. Rebecca, is there anywhere that you're like, oh, if this place gets it, I'm going to be mad. Or this place better get it. 
or any strong opinions? I mean, I don't, I don't feel that if someplace gets it, I'll be mad. Um, it might inspire me to try some places that weren't mm. very impressive. But the restaurant <laughs> that I've been to recently that I thought really stood out was Georgia Boy. Yeah. And I'm expecting Georgia Boy to get a star. Okay. I feel like that's a bold statement. I think so, and, too. And I haven't been there. So it's not bold because I disagree. It's bold because it's in Atlanta. But I totally respect your opinion, and I'm super curious to see. I just think that we have, like, a good food community here in Atlanta. I think that there are people who are pushing boundaries and are doing some great work, and I'm just... I want it for the city. I think that it's it would be really great for us, and I think some people deserve it. Do I... Well, the food is one thing, but Erica's beef is not with the food. It's with the service. Well... Mm-hmm. I don't think that I know what's going to get it or what's not going to get it for sure. I have literally no idea. But I think that if we do, I'd be really happy for us and excited about it. There's one restaurant that I'll call. Here's the thing. I'll never make a statement on this podcast that I wouldn't back up verbally to the face of the person that I made the statement about. Mm. And there's one person on the list that I will call out by name. And it's Lazy Betty. If they get a star, I will burn the city down. I a thousand percent agree. I've been there and no, 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 no. <laughs> Rebecca, have there. you been there? Haven't you been, been there, there, but have, have not, I would not even say that I've heard mixed things. I've heard a lot of negative things. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I had an extremely expensive, extremely horrible meal there. And this is why I don't mind saying names is because, you know, when you make a reservation on Resi, the next day they send you an email and they want you to review them. It's not an external review. It's an internal review that goes to the restaurant. I took a lot of time to give a very thoughtful explanation of why I did not have a good experience at this restaurant. And they never even responded. And I know for sure that they got that. Like, that's, Mm. they got it, Mm. you know? And so it's like to not even be like, hey, like, we don't always miss the mark and we're sorry. Like, if you ever come back again, let us know. We'd love to, you know, give you a glass of champagne or whatever the fuck. Um, uh, (laughs) They may be overwhelmed with similar reviews based on what I'm hearing from people. That may not be the only thoughtful review because people are going there dropping serious cash and having experiences that aren't worthy of the bill. Yeah. yeah. I, people think because it's a tasting menu that it's fancy and that's not the case. It's yeah. like a, it's no, like a, not at um, all. a caricature of fine dining. Mm. Anyways. Get it. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see when we see that list yeah. because I bet between the three of us that we will have been to pretty much every restaurant on the list. Oh, yeah, for I'm sure. Cu- I'm very curious. I think and it's it'll be really interesting, interesting to see what the, it, 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 one thing that I'm curious about is what they do with Buford highway. Uh, same. Thank you. Yeah. I, same, 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 same. <laughs> if Buford Highway does not get a solid acknowledgement, that would be such a slight to our city. That would be the... I would not respect Michelin if they didn't. Correct. It's such a poignant place in our city. I agree. The food's incredible. I don't, it's I don't like, think how can you not? I, I don't think they'll pass it by. I don't we, think they we'll will We'll just either. see how well it's represented. I mean, um, my husband and I have been to hole-in-the-wall tapas places in yeah. Spain that they mm-hmm. gave stars to. So yeah. yes. I'm expe- I mean, they, they go everywhere. Yeah. And it'll be fascinating to see what they pull. One thing I know for sure is there are zero two-star restaurants and obviously no three-star restaurants in the city. We shall see. Yeah, we're going to find out. I will bet $1,000 nobody gets two stars. I don't have that. I will bet a Taco Bell (laughs) table. Which is more than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh my. Not crazy. There's a comma in the price of this fucking thing. Complete emotional purchase. Crazy. <laughs> She's I love crazy. it though. It's beautiful. It has Thank my favorite you. color. See? Purple. I was in Europe. She's like, I did something crazy. I'm like, what, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> and then she wouldn't tell me. Literally would not tell me. I'm like in Europe, texting her like eight times, being like, what? is the purchase. What is it? It was this. It was the table. <laughs> Nobody could have guessed. I did like a no, poll. No, I did anyone guess. guess. Yeah. Anyone and guess. this is, if you want to learn about yourself, post on social media. I just made an insane purchase. Guess what it was. And then let people guess. And it'll tell you exactly what people think of you. What did they say oh, about man. you? Oh, man. What did they Everybody guess? was like, I mean, probably a hundred people were like, a new Porsche. And I was like, <laughs> no. Lots of car guesses. Lots of handbag guesses. I would have guessed mm. a handbag. Yeah. But I, what I explained was like I'm not gonna soft launch a car purchase because that just sounds so douchey of like guess what so I true thought. like it so had to true. be truly insane but I'm like for a million dollars I don't think anybody would have guessed 
Mm-mm. Taco Bell table? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. No one would have guessed that. <laughs> Nobody at all. So here's a good pivot. When you die, you don't want to leave your loved ones guessing what the heck they should be doing. I know. You need to communicate about who is going to get this Taco Bell table. That's true. I do need to update my will. Yeah. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> be on your best behavior at this point yeah seems like it might be you're you're a contender mm-hmm. kelly you're mm-hmm. definitely a contender mm-hmm. so rebecca <laughs> has handled my will and all of my estate planning stuff and i'm single i don't have kids but it was still really important to me because i just feel like i'm gonna die young oh I, you have never mentioned that oh really i don't like those sentences oh sorry <laughs> um I just have that vibe I'm like here for a good time not for a long like, time oh type my God, of thing. so I'm just like in the off chance that it's like my parents have to deal with it I wanted everything to be zipped up nice and tidy yep. and not leave a mess for people like well you've a- got businesses too yeah I mean, you've got yeah. people who were employed by you and yeah you need to think about those things so. totally that's um, true. Uh, and I, I talked to a lot of people about it and they're like, I, I think that's a really easy thing to put off doing because it's not free. It takes a lot of mental and emotional labor to compose and it's just an easy thing to not do. So once people have made the decision that they need to do that, Rebecca, kind of explain from there what people need to be prepared to bring to the table. To think about. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're right that making the decision is sort of the hardest part. And mm. I think for a lot of people, it goes even further than that. They think if they think about it, it's more likely to happen. Right. You know, if you think about it, then it, it just becomes a little bit more real. And so I always say it's like carrying an umbrella. doesn't make it more likely that it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. It makes it more likely that you'll stay dry. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I say I'm in the peace of mind business, right? So I want you to leave my office and feel like, okay, now I don't have to think about that again. Yes. Right? Everything is taken care of. I've adulted and (laughs) thought about these unpleasant things and made some decisions that hopefully won't come to pass anytime soon. And now I can just go on living, you know, I've sort of taken care of it. So that's, that's the, that's our mission is to promote peace of mind and peace. I love that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like that too, especially like for someone who doesn't like talking about these things. I think it's important that the person you are talking about these things with is in that mindset. Like, I want to provide peace in this situation. I don't want to just keep harping on the whole death thing. You yeah. know, like, it's like, no. I like I like your umbrella analogy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It is. I mean, it. they are, I mean, I, that's what I say. I have difficult conversations all day long when you mm-hmm. talk about death and incapacity, which is, for many people, even scarier than death. Yeah, true. Take me out. Yep. And um, <laughs> so yeah, when no, you're talking I... about that, when you're talking about money, when you're talking about family, the conversations are very difficult, but the only thing worse than having the conversation is not having the conversation and leaving your family with no idea why you did what you did or no plans. Mm -hmm. And they are left to sort of pick up the pieces without you. And that's about half the conversations I have. You know, I was just talking Hmm. to somebody yesterday who uh, had a copy of an old will of his father's where he left everything in thirds to the three children. And apparently right before he died, within the year before he died, the father changed the will so that two of the children, his two siblings, got everything outright. And his part was left in trust with his sister in charge. And then his father died. Oh, shoot. And so he's dealing with grief, shock, disappointment, wondering what caused his father to do that. Oh, my God. He didn't leave a note or anything explaining his decision? He did not leave a note or anything explaining his decision. (sighs) And then he's left. Ice cold. (laughs) Yeah. It happens happens all the time. Really? Because think, put yourself in that father's situation. He doesn't want to tell this person potentially bad news, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting your money out right, mm-hmm. to his son. And he's he may be, have been ill, not feeling great. And the last thing he wants to do is have a difficult conversation. But what he yeah. left was a bomb in his estate plan that went off. And there's yeah. all kinds of collateral damage. The other thing to think about is the siblings. Yeah, the relationship. I mean, that's that's why I named my company Legacy Studio, because we are talking about what your legacy is, the art of putting together your legacy. That's the studio part. Mm-hmm. And the legacy of this gentleman who died is that his children will not be close because he's God. put one child in charge yeah. of the other child's money. Surprise! So a lot of difficult conversations. So that's why I say the only thing more difficult than having the conversation is not having the conversation. Absolutely. And, and your final, that was his final thing that he communicated to his son is 
for some reason, I'm not going to treat you the same as the other two kids. I feel like he has to at least have some inkling of what it was. Like, how can that just happen without any... Well, he has a lot of inklings about what it is, you know? But he doesn't know exactly which. And so now he's wondering, what was it that upset his dad? Was his dad upset about his marriage? Did his dad think he had a drinking problem? Was his dad upset that he was, you know, about a career change? I mean, he has a lot of ideas about what could have, but he doesn't have any information. No answers. And he'll take that mystery with him to his death. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty sad. I don't like that. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these conversations are very difficult and very sad. But again, trying to give him some amount of peace of mind and yeah. peace with sort of what the, the pieces that we have. So yeah. how do you come into play with in that situation? Well, there are a lot of different ways that we might come into play. We might be, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing the administration of his father's estate. But in this particular case, one of the things that I do is serve as a professional trustee and executor. So when there's nobody in the family to do it or no friends who are appropriate or a bank's not appropriate, people will ask me to do it. And so he and his lawyer, who he was consulting about, can I challenge this will, mm-hmm. um, were talking about what might happen with his relationship with his sister. And his lawyer suggested, what if we got a third-party trustee so that you weren't having to go to your sister for money for the rest of your life? And uh, he liked that idea. And so he was interviewing me yesterday for that job. I understand. Yeah. How old is he? 56. Gosh. Okay. So, and today I had a conversation with a young couple. They're engaged. Her mother died when she was very young and her grandmother just died. So Mm -hmm. she's inheriting what would have gone to her mother mm-hmm. and oh. the uncle has sent her a bunch of stuff to sign acknowledging that he's done a good job and sort of dangling a $50,000 distribution, you know, with, if she signs all this paperwork and she was saying, I'm, I feel overwhelmed. I don't understand anything he's saying. Yeah. Some of it doesn't make any sense. And I don't really want to hire a lawyer. It's my uncle. But yeah. on the other hand, I just, you know, it's, it's a communication problem. You just need it. Like yeah. also, especially like me, I have no earthly idea what any of that stuff would mean. Mm-hmm. So it, you get a legal document. Like it at least will. makes sense to have a consultant, you know, to talk to somebody about it who yeah. knows exactly what they're doing and can say, no, this is all totally normal. Yeah. Which I'm, shouldn't be offensive to the uncle. Psh, yeah. No. Well, if he's not up to no good, then there shouldn't be anything to be concerned about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have no idea whether he was up to no good because a, a lot of these, when I say like, you know, the, the will contests make for great movies, you know, and, mm-hmm. and books, John Gershon books and things like that. There aren't a whole lot of will contests in real life. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of misunderstanding because of poor communication. Yeah. So it's often not that somebody's stealing. It's just that they're not communicating. And so when yeah. somebody's not communicating, the response to that is for other people to make up a story in their head. Mm-hmm. And so that's the danger of sort of not communicating. And, and um, it's being an executor is a hard job. Being a trustee is a hard job because yeah. other people are waiting for this inheritance. It's very important to them. Mm-hmm. And they want information. And you have another full-time job. This is just something you're doing because your mom named you and yeah and communication is key I've watched in my time behind the chair dozens of clients go through this process and have their relationships with the remaining family members destroyed because people lose their minds after something like this they do and if there isn't well you know sometimes there's not a will at all and then it's just a free-for-all yeah. um, if you haven't pre-established a very clear plan it's chaos and it's so upsetting to listen to these people's stories of like people where I'm like god you guys were just vacationing together you have such a close relationship and it's like yeah well and in the middle of the night she took all of mom's diamonds and and it's like holy shit and it's this cauldron of grief and uh, shock and yeah some and all it takes is one person who's kind of on their worst behavior Mm -hmm. and it can really make a whole family situation a nightmare. And, you know, what I always say is when somebody dies, there's somebody in the family who like immediately needs Mm $30,000. There's just somebody is. Somebody's secretly been on the dole. Mom and dad have been paying their car payment or their health insurance you know, even though they're 56 years old or whatever, not, not this guy, but I'm saying, you know, and, and there's some secret financial arrangement that nobody else knows about. Yeah. And when mom and dad die and that, that stream of money from, to the failure to launch person stops, Mm -hmm. they misbehave because they're desperate. Yep. And so you Mm -hmm. have to, if you're the executor or the trustee, you have to figure out, is there somebody who's desperate here Mm -hmm. and how can we make them a little bit more comfortable so that they'll behave so we can get through this with some respect and dignity and peace. Yeah. 
that's really one of the jobs is just to sort of figure out what are the secrets here that we need to address and resolve so mm -hmm. that we can all move on. We can't fix you know, the failure to launch. We can't go back and have mom not have made the car payment. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. Sounds like a insanely interesting job. It is. It is. It does it's sound. Just, it can be very satisfying too. Yeah. You know, a lot especially of, to help everyone in that way. Yeah. And, and really you can think of your job as being about death or being about taxes, mm -hmm. saving people taxes because there is a tax element to it. But mm -hmm. I think of it as true family law and, again, yeah. promoting peace and peace of mind. And as long as I stay really hooked on what that mission is, it sort of informs how I approach every conversation. Yeah, That's my purpose. A lot of the advice I give isn't legal advice. It's just practical advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody I was on the phone with today, I said, if it was my mother, I would do X. Yeah. You know, it's not, that's not legal advice. I'm just mm -hmm. telling you, don't sweat the small stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, people need somebody that they trust in their corner when they're processing something like that. Yeah, and people are just overwhelmed with grief. And, and you add, as going back to an earlier part of our conversation, you take grief, you add surprise, and it's bad. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? So that element of surprise. So Erica, to answer your question, you know, when people start thinking about this, most lawyers who do this work have a worksheet that'll sort of guide you through the things that you need to think about. But mm -hmm. generally you need to think about who do you want to make decisions for you when you can't make them for yourself? So in incapacity, who would you want to make your healthcare decisions for you? Mm -hmm. And then who is the backup to that person? Because the person that you probably want to make the decisions for you is probably the person that you drive around 285 with in a car. Mm -hmm. So you always so have true. to have backups. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. so who, who, who is going to carry out your wishes and do do what you want to do. Show up and make those hard decisions for healthcare. How many backups? I would say at least one, preferably two mm. backups. So you've had three people, and you want to make sure that somebody is kind of younger and healthier. Mm -hmm. Got right? it. So if you're 75, you don't want to name a bunch of your contemporaries who yeah. might go before also, you. Also, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You want you want somebody younger, and then for finances, if you can't pay your bills because you're in a coma, who's going to come in and open your mail and make sure that insurance premiums get paid and mm. employees get paid and yeah. all that. And then once you're gone, who is going to close up the business of your life? And that's everything from making sure that your pets have a good next mm. home. I was dealing with that yesterday. And, um, oh, that one makes me so sad. That's like the only thing in my I world know. that matters is like, yeah. I die before my dogs. It's like, I think we did it, Rebecca, where my dad gets my dogs in like a check for 10 grand. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a common one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the time there's somebody in the family who's very happy to take the pets. Yeah. But, um, my mom took my cousins. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you know, again, legacy, those, those beings we love so much needing yes. to make sure that they're, yeah. that they're taken care of, that Absolutely. they have a place to go. Oh my gosh. So, I need a will. <laughs> yes, there you do. do. You just Wesley, got married. You poor little Wesley. Need a will. My yeah. little puppy. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take care of them. So the, the sort of the who is going to take care of, of those things, filing your last tax return, you know, mm -hmm. who do you trust to kind of wrap up the business of your life? And then, um, after your debts are paid, who, who do you want to benefit from who or what organizations I should say, do you yeah. want to benefit from those assets that you have? And it can be small things like who gets the Taco Bell table. Right? <laughs> you can leave a memo of certain tangible property to go to certain people. Oh, I've got people. a memo. Yep. You do have a memo because you got stuff. That's right. Yeah. Rebecca knows about my memo. Yeah. I got a memo too. It's crazy long. And, um, and so there's, there's this, you know, the, who gets the, the tangible stuff and yeah. then, you know, the money, um, where you want that to go. So I, those are the things you got to kind of think about and have an idea about. And, you know, a, a good lawyer is going to sort of talk you through what, what do, what do other people do? That's a common question I get. Yeah, is this, yeah. is this normal what I'm thinking of doing? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and then, uh, if you're stuck, the executor will, or the lawyer will help you decide like, who who should be executor a lot of people say mm. i have no idea and so mm -hmm. okay well how, how about your accountant yeah you know how about your best friend how about a cousin you know and kind of mm -hmm. go through the list with you so you want to do some thinking about it in advance and if you're a couple you want to do some talking about it in advance mm -hmm. because you don't want to pay a lawyer by the hour to watch you fight with your spouse about <laughs> your sister is more responsible and should have your kids totally so true that makes totally. sense Rebecca, what's the craziest thing that somebody has been very like my sandcastle collection or like whatever? Is there anything insane or just wild that somebody was very concerned with when composing their will? 
Oh, goodness. I mean, the funniest one that I've ever done <laughs> is the husband of a friend made a specific bequest to his uncle of the remaining soap that was in the master shower at the time of his death. Whoa. He loves his uncle. He thought it was hilarious. That's, That's so funny. So I like, oh my God, just imagine. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is it's like oh you can put whatever you want in these documents. Like, yep. That's actually really fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah. think of some crazy things for my documents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just to have, just, he, he thought his uncle shared his sense of humor and would think it was hilarious. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was really funny, too. <laughs> I, I love that. I can't think of examples of things that people have done that are outrageous because, again, you know, it's, as you said, it's not free. Yeah, so, you true. know, this was the husband of a friend. So I think he felt like, you know, he yeah. could ask me to do that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, most of the things that people worry about are worthy of worry. Mm-hmm. That's true. One thing I think people don't worry about enough is uh, their social media and their banking accounts and all of the like logins and passwords and things like that. And I know that's part of uh, what we did together. Rebecca has her clients put together what she calls an I love you folder, which is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. But it's, well, tell us, tell us about the I love you yeah. folder, Rebecca. So, well, <laughs> let me tell you about the process and the, yeah. that's kind of the end of the process. Okay. So, you know, putting, putting together a will is a is a pretty straightforward process. So as I said, we have a worksheet. We send it out so you can kind of gather your thoughts and have your conversations with your spouse or your partner before you come in mm-hmm. so that you're not having a big fight <laughs> right in front of the lawyer, <laughs> paying the lawyer by the hour. Yep. Then when you come in, generally it takes about an hour to kind of put together your plans, flush things out, make sure that everything is uh, has been decided. Mm-hmm. And then the lawyer will draft the documents and send them to you. You re- review them hopefully understand them, at least the important parts, get any questions answered or get any tweaks, and then you come in and sign them. And the most common problem with wills is that they are signed improperly. Mm. So it's very important to actually finish the process and go to your lawyer's office and and sign them. Um, Because wills have to be executed with a particular amount of formality or they're not valid. And people often mess up that formality at home. I'll give you a little example. If your witnesses, you have to have two witnesses and they have to be of of a certain age and sort of have a a certain capacity to be able to to be competent to be a witness. But they also have to be uninterested, which means Mm. not that they don't care about you, but that they're not getting anything in the will. They're not in it. They're not in it. Hmm. And if you think about it, a lot of times when people are doing wills, it's because they're dashing off to the airport, right, to go mm-hmm. on a trip. That's a common co- common trigger for wills is either airports or babies. Yeah. And um, so who's standing around with you when you're on the way to go to the airport? People that are in your will. But it's very common for people to say, ooh, 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 will you quickly, you know, witness this for me? Yeah. Well, the law does something very sneaky. If you have someone who is interested as a witness to the will, if I did that, for instance, the law says, well, we want Rebecca to have a valid will, And we need her to have two uninterested witnesses. So what we're going to do is we're just going to cut out the part in the will where she says, I leave $10,000 to Erica. So then, oh, so then I've those got witnesses to, don't get anything. So you've disinherited the people that you were trying to leave things to. So wow. it's super important to have your will executed properly. Suck. Yeah, <laughs> super. That suck. would really suck. And yeah. It has. It happens with wow. sort of alarming frequency. So wow. that is so the most important thing I've ever learned. <laughs> I know that's okay. like that's really insane. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So it's it's very important to go back to the lawyer's office and have the will executed properly because it's really easy to make a mistake and it's important. And then after you have the will executed, you sort of tie up all the loose ends. So one of the things is making sure that all of your beneficiary designations, like if you have life insurance or retirement plans, that all those things work with your estate plan. Mm. So if, for instance, I have my husband as the beneficiary of my life insurance and then he leaves me and I write a new will and I say, I can't stand that scumbag. (laughs) He's cut out of the will, but I don't change the beneficiary on my life insurance. They have to pay my husband because I have a contract with them that says that he is the beneficiary. So it's super important to have those things updated. So you come back and we make sure all those things are done. And then... We send you off with a folder that sort of holds the original documents. It's very important to keep track of the originals. Another fun fact is if uh, to revoke a will, you can just do a new will or you can just destroy a will by burning it or ripping it up. It's not like a contract between two people. It's just your will. So if you don't like it anymore, you can rip it up. Mm. So if you die and 
nobody can find the original, it's presumed that you ripped it up. And then your family oh. has to prove Whoa. that you didn't revoke it. And so it's really important. Erica, you better know where your original is. I know exactly where it okay, is. Okay, good. But you also have a copy, right? So if people know that like you're my person and they can't find my folder, they could be like, oh, we'll ask Rebecca. Yep. But then we've still got to go through the process of we then have a copy of it, but we've got to prove that you didn't revoke it. Ooh. Right? So we'd pull out this podcast and just be like, no, Erica wasn't saying she was going <laughs> to revoke it. She said she had a valid will. Yeah. You know? It could be done. But it's important to have the original. So we talk yeah. about Whoa. where are you going to keep the what original. If, like, what if like your house burns down or something? And well, it's if your house there. burns down, it's a little easier to prove that you probably didn't revoke it. Okay. It burn down <laughs> I guess house. that's And valid. I actually had sense. a client who did die in a house fire. <gasps> yeah. And their house burned down. And their will was in there. Their will actually happened to be in their wife's purse. But Whoa. if it had, if it had what? I would never was leave it, it arson? in there. Just like, oh, look, the will just happened Wasn't to it arson at all? No, no. There was <laughs> oh no funny business, gosh. actually. It was a very sad story. But <gasps> Why was it in the purse? That because so they had random. just been updating it, and she was on the way to take it to the safe deposit wow. box. And she Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, so people should put it in a safety deposit no, box? No, people should not put it in a safety oh, deposit oh. box. Oh, <laughs> you were just saying that. I was she, like, she was on her way to put it in the safety deposit box, but... It was uh, not at Rebecca's behest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is okay. If you have a safe deposit box, you need to pay attention to who can get in. Yeah. Because if you are the only person on your safe deposit box or you and your spouse and the plane goes down and you're together, nobody can get in your safe deposit box without a court order Mm. to open the safe deposit box. And they may not even know where your safe deposit box was. But then you would get a court order. We would, yeah. We would get a court order to open a safe deposit box, but we have to know what bank it's at. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's it's difficult. Uh, And and there there have been some pretty interesting articles about with bank consolidations, branch consolidations and closings, how safe deposit box safe deposit boxes aren't as safe as you would think they would be. Your branch closes, they combine it with another branch, the the numbers are all doubled up, you know, and people have lost watch collections and things like that. So So it's very important where you put your will. It is. a very important document. Yeah. I just got my first important document, which was my marriage certificate. And where is it? It's in this, I have like this, (laughs) it's so embarrassing. I have this folder thing what do you call it what do you call it file organizer yeah but it's small it's like metal it's it's small and just it's underneath dossier yeah it i have this like (laughs) glass desk and it's just under it it's not no it's just (laughs) no okay it's literally from target it's like it goes on top of the desk but it's underneath my desk and it has all of my important documents in it and that's where my yeah no it definitely is so well, I would say that's good because a lot of people, if you said, where's your marriage license, they would say, I have absolutely no idea. So the fact that you know where it is, you're two steps ahead. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I I'm at least fa- have that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that's fine. I mean, I, my will is actually on, on my credenza at work right now. I'm traveling tomorrow. I always leave my will out when I travel. Oh. I'm weird that way. I didn't know that was a thing. I don't think it is a thing. I should start doing that. I think it's a me thing. I don't think it's a thing thing. Where are you going tomorrow? Visit my parents. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> oh, I that out. But anyway, I'm a big fan of the at-home safe. Yeah. Like a little at-home safe. Somebody's got to know the combination. So it can't be a fingerprint safe. Not unless you plan on dying right by it so they can pull your finger yeah, over. Yeah, how would they? Yeah. <laughs> but the, I think the fingerprint safes have a backup way to get in. Okay. But yeah, just... A, Gosh, this is... I'm like, I need a will, first off. <laughs> Secondly, I need a place to put my will. <laughs> I'm like so concerned now. You there should you be. go. Oh my <laughs> Gosh. Kelly's literally so All right, stressed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you up. Okay. <laughs> All right. She's the one to and call. And you, you can get a safe from Target, so you don't have to change your shopping habits. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. Love Target. Yeah. So you got to keep the original. But back to Erica's question, in terms of, you know, you want to leave information for your executor so they know who to call. Mm-hmm. So they know who your life insurance agent is, and they know who your banker is, and they know where your car loan is, and they know important passwords. So, you know, it used to be that it was never, ever write down your passwords. And that's not really 
that's that's not really the approach that people use anymore when people are not stealing handwritten passwords and right, logging right, into Bank right. of America, right? That's just not how it is. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, bank passwords and Georgia Power passwords and all that, I don't think it's so necessary to have a record of those. You change them all the time. Mm-hmm. People can tell where your money is and where your bills are by opening your mail and your wallet. Mm-hmm. The thing that you want to make sure people have passwords to are things online that have value that aren't replaceable. So mm. for instance, if all your photos are in the cloud mm. and nobody is able to get to them without a password, you want to think about that. Who would you want to share that with? Hmm. And a lot of social media, Facebook in particular, have places where you can put who you want to, like Facebook in particular. I can't remember what it's called right like now. Like a backup account? Yeah. Or like it's not called a backup account. I think it's called a... Admin? I don't even think it's called admin, but the person who can make your final post about where you're... Memorial services, and then memorialize your page and change you to deceased. Okay. So they have like a one, and they they cannot accept friend requests. There's some limits on what they can do. They have to be a Facebook member. So like mine, my husband isn't on Facebook, so mine is my sister. Okay. And she can make a final post, and she can change the page to a memorial page, and then order, you can like order a book with all your Facebook posts. Oh God! Um, <laughs> Me at eighteen years yeah, old. Yeah, I was like, like you don't want drunk. those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God! That sounds fun. Make me your person. Oh my God, that sounds so oh funny. Yeah. I have so many old pictures there that would be like, "Thank God I'm dead and I didn't get to oh watch people gosh. watch these." Yeah. Oh well, then pick your person carefully, right? Because True. that's you know your question was about social media and those whoever is that person for you kind of controls what happens with your social media. So, I mean, Erica, now with this podcast, you need to think about this intellectual property that you own Mm -hmm. of this podcast and what you would want to happen with it after you die. Time for a will update. Yeah, I was going to say time to update. Okay, I did have a question, actually. My question was, do him and I have separate wills or is it one will? Yeah, that's a great question. I Like, no, but then like, but like, okay, we have shared things. Like now that we're... yeah. You know, that's a great question because we just got married. I literally have no idea yeah. how this works. <laughs> yeah. You're about to find out. Someone explain. Yeah. So you, the answer is everybody has their own will mm-hmm. and you control the things that are in your name and he controls the things that are in his name. Okay. And if you own something 50, 50, you control half of it and he controls half of it. Okay. Yep. So it's, it's, you can, you can plan together, but how things are titled makes a difference Okay, in all states that are not community property states. So like right. the West coast states are a little bit different. Right. Because couples. like, let's say, uh, like the person who decides your fate after an accident or something like that, like if we're married, yeah, it would have to be two separate. Yeah. So you name well, him as your primary. If you trust yeah. him to make those decisions, then you yeah. name your mom or your sister, or your best friend as your backup. Yeah. And he names his mom or dad or brother best friend is his backup yeah so you have separate people but they'd have to work together if you guys died together chances Mm. of you dying together are pretty slim but yeah oh that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) no thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty Mm. unlikely so yeah and then if and when you have kids that adds a whole nother element because then you've got to decide this is i think what stops most people from doing a will is not knowing who to name as guardian for their kids and what I tell people is yeah. just pick somebody. You can always change it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we make all our money off changing wills. So you can change your mind as many times and as you want. Ask yeah. them first. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, I like that would be such yeah, a surprise. How often does that happen where it's like without their consent, you yeah. just get a letter that it's like, oh, little Timmy's coming yeah. to live with you. Well, I, I don't know how often that happens. I've never had to deliver that news. I mean, it's so unlikely that both parents die before a child right. is 18. Right. Mm-hmm. It does happen sometimes, but it's yeah. pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people talk to folks about it and sometimes they don't they know that their sister would take the kids and Mm -hmm. a lot of times what people's fear is is that if they tell the people that they've named as guardian that the people who weren't selected will be very offended Mm. and so they're kind of hoping that like their mom never finds out that they named their in-laws you know and so they don't want to tell the in-laws because they don't want a chance that it comes back to their mom or what happens a lot is they name a sibling, then they spend the holidays with that sibling, and then they think, hmm, I think we need to name a different sibling. Yeah. So they want to be 
they want to feel free to change it and you kind of can't if you've already asked oh the Oh my person. gosh, yeah, that makes sense. That's so interesting. Yeah, in January we do a lot of changing of guardians because no of things way. that happen over Christmas. Whoa. No way. Yeah. That makes sense. Tensions are high. I don't like, know. I feel like that's such a big decision that it's like what what really can happen to I don't even know what I'm trying well, to say. Well, I think it's it's how, how people handle money, you know, and just thinking wow. of when you watch someone else's family deal with holidays with presents or whatever, and Gosh. and you think, you know, we give our child one educational gift, and they went crazy, and there was pink yeah. plastic everywhere. Um, I know who I would name already. I don't even have kids, but I already know who I would name. But Mommy. does your husband have the same idea yes. as you? Oh, good. I bet he does. Okay. I, I mean, I haven't asked him. We haven't talked about this. Obviously, we don't have kids, but I bet he would say the same person. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'd ha- I need a, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to ask him okay. when I get home and I'll text you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want to know. I'm so yeah. curious. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we have the same answer. Okay. Well, and I don't think good. that answer would change. That's great. Even if we fought with that person, I'd be like, ah, I don't know, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it's really easy to get caught up on the minutia and details of all of this. And I found myself getting a little overwhelmed making some of these decisions because it's hard when you're not married and it's like I had to kind of, you know, freestyle some stuff. It's much more complicated, actually. Yeah. And so I found it a little stressful. And then ultimately, I was like, what the fuck do I care? I'm going to be dead. Like, I'm going to do my absolute best to make whoever has to deal with this afterwards have an easy time. But ultimately, not on me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was a little like, just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Mindset yeah. shift. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'll tell you that, you know, this year, one of the joys that I had in the face of death was an estate where I'm the executor. The guy was unmarried and didn't have children. And again, mm-hmm. people sometimes say, oh, I have a simple situation. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. No, that's more complicated. Yeah. If you're married and you yeah. have kids, I, I bet I know who you're going to leave your assets to. Yeah. Yeah. If you're unmarried and and not, not partnered up and mm-hmm. don't have kids, then the world is your oyster in terms of who you're going to leave things to. And this, mm-hmm. this guy left a, a lot of money to charity, a huge amount of money to charity, the bulk of his estate. But he he left a lot of people, a lot of friends in the neighborhood of $5,000. I love that. And well, it was interesting because I thought thought that they might, they knew how wealthy he was Mm. and I thought they might be a little offended. So when I called them to tell them, I was sort of bracing for some hurt feelings because this guy did have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. People were so touched yeah I mean yeah one woman like burst into tears it's very oh. rare I feel like it, to be named in someone's will when you're not a family, family member, member. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so I bet anyone would be so touched in that you know it, that's it's just made a huge impact on me I was like oh I want to go back and add a lot of five thousand dollars yeah. <laughs> I mean, just it 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 meant so much to the people who received those bequests and I just mm-hmm. thought wow that was very eye-opening for me yeah you know in terms of the difference that that you can just tell in, 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 in remembering somebody and honoring your friendship with yeah. that person with yes. a relatively, I mean, $5,000 is not nothing, but when yeah. you're, when you're as wealthy as this guy was, it was, it was a drop in the bucket kind sure. of, but it meant a lot to everybody and just as he intended it to. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. That yeah. is beautiful. So, okay, <laughs> Rebecca, we've spent a lot of time talking about how to prepare for our death, but you're somebody who I love the way that you prepare for life. Mm. And every year, Rebecca does a self-retreat, a business retreat, and you always have a theme for the year and plans. And I know you're going to come in and you're going to ask me, what are your goals for the year? And so I'm like, I need to have an answer. And I feel like you're somebody who really invites me to be extremely mindful and intentional about what I'm trying to create in my life, whether in a couple month window, a year, five years, whatever. So I think, well, I wonder, this is all coming to me right now. You're so good at what you do. And I wonder if working with people and watching people plan for after they die makes it more important to you to plan what you're doing while you're still here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, just all this thought about death made me at a very young age think, I think I need to live very intentionally. You don't know how long you have. So there are things I want to do and I'm going to do them. Yeah. So I have always been super goal oriented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Erica, I was single at for I got married in my late 30s and so I had a lot of single years where I could do all kinds of things that 
you know, aren't possible with little kids and expectations at home. So traveling the world and... Didn't you go to surf school in Bali? I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. I went to surfing school in Bali. I did a volunteer vacation in Africa. I traveled all over Asia. I mean, I've been all around the world. I've mm-hmm. um, been to Australia and that was sort of my personal itch. But whether it's travel or not, I've always been into thinking about you know, if it, if it all ended tomorrow, what, what would you regret that you hadn't done and yes. doing it? So like bucket list items type yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of bucket list. I don't, I don't necessarily like the term bucket list because it seems like you're putting it off. Right. Mm. Right. So uh, like thinking about next year, you know, I think to myself, what would make next year a spectacular year? and work backwards from that. Yeah. So I don't I don't like to think too far out cuz I want to be prepared for happy surprises and changes of course that come my way, but you know just thinking about next year and thinking okay, next year knowing what I know, what's going to make next year spectacular and then working back, how can I make that happen? Yeah. What is it that I want to do to make that happen in sort of all areas of my life. So I've been very interested in strategic planning, the corporate strategic planning for a long time. And I developed a program on personal strategic planning that I've done (laughs) a bunch of times for leadership programs where you sort of create the vision for your life and then work backwards on where you need to put your energy in order to get to that vision that you have. Yes. I think it's really easy for people to watch others living their dreams and being successful. And I don't mean that financially. I mean, whatever success means to you. And it's easy to be like, oh, like they're on vacation again. Oh, they're eating this meal again. Oh, they bought this new house. But uh, so many people wait to do these things that they want to do, or they have these pie in the sky dreams. They're like, oh, it'd be really nice if, but they don't even take the time to think, well, how do I get there? And you're so right about reverse engineering yeah, the, the show, me, show me your calendar for this month and I'll tell you what's important to you. Oh, that's such a good statement. Yeah, if you're telling me that it's important for, and I've had this conversation with a friend before, if you're telling me that you're looking for a partner mm-hmm. and it's important to you, show me your calendar. Yeah. How many new people are you meeting this month? Rebecca right? just winked at me. <laughs> I want a partner and I don't want to put in any work into it. And and that's why my Taco Bell table is going to charity when I die. (laughs) Not Kelly. Um, No, but I think that, and you can probably speak to this also, but I know for me when I'm super clear on what I want and I'm willing to put the action behind working towards it, I am supported in that by the universe or, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. These things kind of click into place to kind of get me there, I think, more efficiently because I'm saying, hey, I'm willing to show up and I'm willing to do what I need to do on my end to manifest this. And Rebecca, one example I think of with you is recently Rebecca and her husband wanted to move and you had a very specific list of things you were looking for in your home. We did. You had a lot of uncommon goals for your home, Mm -hmm. which I love. And uh, you got it. Yeah, we the did. The right price, the right location, the pool, the everything. And mm-hmm. it was so impressive because the whole time there were some kind of like little teasers and some almost, but you guys were so good at just staying true to like, no, this is what we want and we'll know it when it came. And I think mm. when you found the house that you recently purchased, there were no doubts, right? Like you yeah. just knew that it was it. Yeah. How long did it to find a house? Let's see. We sold our house last April mm-hmm. and we bought the new house in December. And in between, we lived in an apartment with no furniture because we sold our, our prior house furniture. Okay. Because <laughs> my husband and I want to buy a house next year. Yeah. We looked this year and the housing market obviously is trash this year. <laughs> so we were not finding what we wanted in our price range. But Do you it was have mostly written down about- what you want? Yeah. That, yeah, like, no. You've got to write We've it down. We've talked about the pen it. pen to paper. <laughs> it has pen got to, paper to be written is a down. Yeah. literal manifestation technique. It is. There's something about it that just accelerates your, your goals. 100%. I, 100%. I guess I just haven't thought about it when it comes to, like, which is crazy because it's such a huge life thing, buying a house. Yeah. But, like, I do it for my career. I do it for my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. I do this thing called morning pages. Where oh, I, yes. Love the morning pages. Right. Yes. In my Artist little way. journal. Yes. Yeah. So that, like, I have intentions with my days and with my 
career goals and stuff, but not with my house or oh, with yeah. like yeah. it applies big to everything things like that. It's just interesting. I've never mm-hmm. thought about that. I will. I'll write it down. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Shit. when you write it down, I mean, in your first draft, as you know, from the morning pages, doesn't have to be the end goal. But yeah. I think mm-hmm. that process of writing it down helps clarify it. And yeah. you know, what's really important about goal setting is the very first thing you have to do is make sure that the goals you're setting are your goals. And it's very difficult to turn down the volume on society's goals for us. And so if you have a goal and you find yourself being like, you know, or not enthusiastic about it, you might have the wrong goal. Mm -hmm. You might have your mother's goal for you or People Magazine's goal for you with the glorification of the baby bump or whatever, right? Versus your own goal for yourself. But I think when you get really clear about your vision for your life or your vision for your house or whatever your vision is for, Mm -hmm. it is so exciting that you just feel this synchronicity with it that then figuring out sort of how to get there becomes so much easier. But you definitely, there's like this bell ringing when you hit on what's right for you. Yeah. And that's the hard part. I mean, everybody, you know, with a house, people want different things, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so you have to go into it very clear with what you want or you'll never find it. Yeah. Hmm. That's so true. I, a couple years ago, found a slip of paper, like shoved into the back of a notebook. I must have been 20 years old when I wrote this down. All it said was red BMW, red Vespa, lucky magazine. And uh, I have a red Vespa. I have owned two red BMWs and I was featured in lucky magazine early in my career. And so I wrote Mm -hmm. those things down that I wanted and then literally just forgot about it. And in hindsight, was like, oh, shit. I got all of that. And there, I have lots of examples of that. Of I'm such a notebook haver. I write mm-hmm. things down all the time. And I will say, energetically, there is a difference between pen to paper versus typing into your notes app. Like I think so too. Yeah. I cannot, like morning pages cannot happen on my phone. Yeah. That's just literally not the same thing. Yeah. And there's people way smarter than me have done um, studies on like the neuroscience behind of course, yeah. the like hand to brain connection. And it's super interesting. But yeah, I'm just, I am so passionate about, I don't, and maybe this is from my upbringing, I don't really know, but I've never thought that there was anything I can't have. Right. Um, uh, and uh, same, yeah, same. like there's nothing, I know things may take a lot of work, they may take time, they may take all of this, but I don't think there's anything that if I truly want enough that I don't deserve or shouldn't have. And I think that that mindset is where you've got to be to attract those things yeah yeah but getting to that mindset is really for people who didn't grow up feeling that way like we did and that is a luxury to to have been taught that by your parents I don't know how they taught me that like thinking back I'm like I don't even know what they did but they yeah, did they it. probably believe it about themselves. And that's, yeah. you know, that, that those kinds of things, that's, that's what they call cultural inheritance. Yeah. You know, back to the wills, right? Yeah. The cultural inheritance is the belief that you're worthy of anything, that you deserve anything good, and that you are capable of anything. That yeah. is cultural inheritance. Yeah. No amount of money can buy that belief in yourself. Yeah. Mm. They also call it lucky syndrome. Ooh, I've never heard that term. Oh, mm-hmm. me neither. Where you, like, you expect things to happen like mm-hmm. and it's I think it's different than maybe what we're talking about where we think that if we work hard enough it will happen um but I think they tie together like there's oh. some people who they're always so lucky like they always get this That's job me. they yeah. always I'm, I'm the luckiest person in the world I say that all the time and yep. so, you make your own yeah. luck right yeah luck is um opportunity exactly. it's about the belief preparedness and opportunity it's preparedness and opportunity mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so if you're always prepared then those opportunities are going to come along and you're going to be able to jump on them so yeah right. absolutely I do think I do think that there's a lot of a lot of connection there. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. But for people who didn't grow up like that, even envisioning that vision for themselves is very difficult because mm-hmm. they may not think that they deserve it. Absolutely. You know, they think that they deserve, you know, what they've seen as an example for themselves and not, you know, to, to succeed as an artist yeah. or something like that. And so the first step is just getting to be able to verbalize, I want this. Yeah. And that's, that's a process. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that it's a paradigm shift. Like I watch people struggle with career stuff or, you know, certain aspects of their life and they have let the narrative of, Oh, I'll never fill in the blank. I'll Mm -hmm. never X. Oh, I'm, Mm. you know, this isn't going to happen for me. And it's like, okay, whatever you say, if you say that it's, 
real, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, and I do it on a granular level. I mentioned I'm going to see my parents Mm -hmm. over the next couple of days. I I don't approach any trip without saying what's going to make this a successful trip Yeah. and work backwards from there. Yes. I look at a blank weekend and say, how's this going to be the best weekend ever? Yeah. You know, and then work backwards. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be these giant, massive goals. It can be you know, you got to develop that muscle to be able to do the giant massive goals. You've yes. got to be able to look at a blank weekend and say, what's going to make this a spectacular weekend, mm-hmm. put it together, feel that feeling to gain yeah. your confidence that you can do it with your life. Yes. I also think you can simultaneously do both believe in yourself and be very petrified of everything. Like, like I be scared and do it anyways. Yeah. Like I, like I said earlier in this episode, have a lot of anxiety And so there are moments where I'm like, yes, like I fucking got this. And then there's other moments where it's like, oh my God, I do not have this at all. Like (laughs) I am the worst, blah, blah, blah. And that's just like, you know, anxiety. But that's like not being a narcissist. That's healthy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, of nerves and and self-doubt is what pushes you. The the anxiety part basically convinces me that it will not happen, Mm. even though the like normal part of my brain knows that it will happen. So it's like it they both exist within me for sure. But I think just even having the belief that I can do it and that like it will happen is what drives me forward I don't know I wouldn't describe the part of your brain that produces anxiety as not normal either like oh well unfair to yourself I think that brains (laughs) are complex and the human experience is complex and you can have these coexisting uh, things happening in your mind and uh, that's okay it's just a choice of which one you shine more light on which one you're going to listen to where you're going to cut the volume up and where you're going to cut the volume down right Right? Yeah, it's all it's so gray. I mean, everything isn't so black and white, right? And it is. True. It's like a. It. I think of it like you know an old fashioned stereo where you can adjust all these buttons. And mm. yeah, it's where you're gonna cut the volume up and where you're gonna cut it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm adjusting the buttons. Let me tell you, <laughs> they are twirling, <laughs> twirling. I love that. This podcast is a really great example. I had crippling anxiety leading up to this. Like so many times I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, don't do this. I almost pulled the plug on this so many times. Now that we're recording our 11th episode, it is one of, if not my most favorite creative endeavor I have ever done. It is so so rewarding. It is so amazing. And then getting feedback from people that are also benefiting from it. I can't describe how good it feels. And none of that would have happened if I had listened to that side of my brain. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, And at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And like, who actually cares? Like, (laughs) so I put out a podcast, even if it wasn't successful, at least I could say I tried. You know what I mean? But this goes back to the preparedness and luck and just being able to kind of capitalize on something you're prepared to to receive but everything's working out great yeah congratulations (laughs) thank you it's so cool Rebecca is there anything else that you would like to discuss while we well you've got the listeners ears yeah. Well, I mean, early in the podcast, you asked me what happens if you don't have a plan. Oh, yes. Let's you know? go back to that. And oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. The vast majority of people never do estate planning. Mm-hmm. They never have a will. So mm-hmm. most people die without a will. So if you don't have somebody in line to make medical or financial decisions for you, if everybody's kind of standing around at the hospital agreeing, um, then, then that's one thing. But if there's infighting in your family, then mm. there's a court process where the court determines who's best to make those decisions oh about my your gosh. body. It's called guardianship. Mm-hmm. And same if somebody needs to access your money and you haven't oh my gosh. done a power of attorney, there's a court process for that. Mm-hmm. And then if you die without a will, then the state of Georgia, if that's where you live, we say the state of Georgia writes your will for you because there's a law saying who your assets go to if you die in various situations. So if you die and you are married and you don't have any kids, everything does go to your spouse. And if you die and you don't have any kids and you're not married, everything gets split 50-50 between your parents. Mm -hmm. What I, I like to point out is if you die and you have kids and you're married, everything gets split between your spouse and your kids. Mm. Wow. And the state assumes that that's probably what you would want. But in a lot of situations, no. like imagine that you've, you're married and you have some kids together. Most people want everything to go to their spouse. Yeah. So it can be a very unpleasant surprise when wow. somebody dies unexpectedly with no planning and suddenly the widow is sharing the house with the two kids. And Oof. we see that a lot. So mm. another question 
I just don't, like I've heard that this is a thing, but obviously I haven't had experience. But when you die and let's say you have like a bunch of debt, does that go to the person who you named? You can't leave debt to anybody. So that's what I didn't yeah, know. That's you can't what I was leave confused debt, about. The, your assets kind of gets, you have to pay the debts before people get the benefit of your money. So, so, your debts so that's why first. they say that they're yeah. like, they're like, so you, they have to pay the debts essentially because your executor can't distribute your assets until the debts are satisfied. Generally, oh. there's some little things that you can do and federal student loans go away if you die. So no one's responsible for like your MasterCard bill. Yeah. yeah. Like something like that happening. Yeah. Well, that can't leave your Amex that's, bill. That's reassuring. Yeah. That's reassuring. You but know? The, you know, but that know. payment would come out of the assets that you're leaving to that person. If you have assets that you're leaving. Yeah. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand dollars and you have a $20,000 credit card balance, the credit card is getting paid and somebody's getting $80,000. Yeah. I see. Right. So the debts have to be, the creditors stand in line first. Now there's some exceptions to that. There's a special thing in Georgia called years support where a minor children and a spouse are entitled to a year's support before creditors. So if the estate is truly upside down, the spouse and minor children can come in and say, well, we need this money to live over the next year Yeah, and kind of wipe out the creditors. So there's some protections and some little things. You've got to talk to a lawyer about it. But generally speaking, debts need to be paid. Taxes need to be paid before people get the benefit of your right. assets. Well, that's it's reassuring to hear because I just only heard, oh, the debts have to be paid. Like, oh, the debts were left. And so to me, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. this person has to pay this person's debts? Yeah. Like, there's oh a lot of misinformation God. out there about the topic. Yeah. That's uh, cleared it up for me, though. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, what about sky miles and points and little things like that? <laughs> That's a good yeah. question. Well, I mean, talk about things that are valuable that you own that are locked behind a password, right? Yeah. So technically, all those membership rewards types things go away when you die. Okay. Um, so transfer them out of the account before you let anyone know the person's dead. Correct. So, wow, that's crazy. How can you transfer Delta points out? Sky miles. You got to have the password to Delta and then you go in and there's a fee to transfer them, but you, you can transfer them to another person. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. well, didn't you get points given to you? For yeah, I guess I did, but I okay. figured I assumed that he just like booked it for us, like with his miles. I didn't know there was like a transfer. Oh, well, I don't know exactly how your specific scenario did. Yeah, that's what I assume. People can benefit from your miles. Cool. But that's so cool. Not yeah. if they know that they're dead. That's a very Erica thing to do, to write in her will, like who... <laughs> like I'm leaving miles on the table. <laughs> right. Please. You got to use the miles. That, you know, that's, yeah, that's know. kind of a... It's, I, I knew people, like old school people, who um, saved up all their miles for retirement. You know, they'd have 700,000 miles in their in their account. And it's like, don't do that. You know, I mean, that's that they're not guaranteed to keep those benefits. Mm -hmm. They could start expiring. Mm -hmm. Use those benefits True. as you earn them. And enjoy your, enjoy, enjoy your the life. present moment. So many people put things off for a future that may never come. True. And I think that that, that ties back into the manifestation and all of your, your mindset towards life. It's like, all we have is the present. That's literally it. Yeah. Yesterday doesn't exist. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So yeah. Exactly. Take live, your, trip. live, give your life, enjoy your life. Yeah. You know, carry an umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. It's In like I it save. I'm very, I'm kind of obsessive about saving. I treat it as a bill, but everything after that, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to drive the car I want to drive. I'm going to carry a fancy purse. I'm going to go have a nice meal and a nice cocktail because uh, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. Yeah. YOLO. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for such a insightful and interesting conversation. I know I can actually think of lots of specific people who are going to benefit a lot from listening to this conversation. I was going to say I learned a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't that bad. See, it's yeah. really not, it's yeah, literally no, it not that big of a deal. It's it just like not. another life thing you have to do. Also, or you do. do make it, you do make it easy to talk about. Yeah. yeah you got her not, like pretty smiling face here. You're like, okay, it's not Yeah. That and like your positive energy. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I like and, it. and there's nothing that, you know, uh, somebody like me hasn't heard before. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of people come in with a lot of shame about how much money they do or don't have yeah. or estrangements in their family or kids that have failed to launch and there's nothing I haven't heard before and probably mm -hmm. isn't in my family too. Right. So right. I kind of roll whatever it is that people come in, but it is nerve wracking to kind of have to get emotionally and financially naked yeah. in front of somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we try and make sense. it comfortable. 
We have a dog at the office, so oh, you know. know better. Oh my gosh, who takes him home at night? I do. It's her. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. Like I didn't know if it was like a. I, I just it's a class hamster. I just had to check. I just had to check. Oh my god. Well, I was like, who's taking care of it? Wow. Um, if you would like. <laughs> Aye, aye, aye. Um, if you would like to get financially naked in front of Rebecca, I will link the information to her practice in our show notes and probably to the Michelin guide and other things that we've chatted about. So Perfect. exciting. And yeah. And yeah, again, Rebecca, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. And uh, if you're listening, please feel free to follow us on social media at Clover Club Pod. And as always, Clover Club listeners get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with code Clover Club, all caps. All caps. All caps. And yeah, we will we will hear y'all next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>